0: Well, Laura, long ago when we started this, we had the zero to six month book, which was our very first foray into, you know, just really outlining from the heart of moms what routines look like and what schedules look like and, you know, how to do all the basic things. And then we expanded. We had the six to 15 month. And after that came the toddler book. So sometimes we'll get this question, like somebody will say to me, oh, my friend's baby is five months old. And so did they get the zero to six month book? Or do they hop up to the six to 15 month book? You know, is there a crossover? Are they going to miss out on some kind of essential information?
1: And Jennifer, I think this is a great, (laughs) a great time to mention that. It wasn't easy, right? I mean, we had the zero to six month book and I thought, okay, yeah, we got that. We're, we're good. But when we started to write the six to 15 month book and how we were like, oh my gosh, we have to kind of re-say some of the stuff that's in the zero to six month because some people may not find us until they're six, seven, eight months of age. And, and how much do you repeat without people getting mad? And they still get mad because it is, there is some repeatable stuff in the six to 15 month book, because we want to make sure that we're capturing that. But I can remember you and I just trying to struggle and figure out where is that line. And so, you know, we always say, look, if your kid is four months of age or older, go ahead and jump to the six to 15 month book. We do do a pretty... I think we do a pretty good job of recapping. (laughs) Well, we did.
0: We put the four to six month schedule in the six to 15 month book. So in case somebody was getting it a little bit earlier and we really take so much time, we think about... How you are going to receive this information in so many ways, even in where we put the commas and how we say things and how often we say them. So, yes, you can't go wrong. You're always going to be able to access the information. And that's always been our heart. Like, how much can we give? How can we ensure that everybody who gets here? has the information that they need, even if they get here a little early or a little late. And that was our heart. So you'll find that in our resources. So if you're ever in a conundrum and you're not sure exactly what to get, know that we do repeat. We cover a little bit from you know earlier than the book says and go a little bit later than the book says, just to capture the most common questions and concerns that will affect the age groups on either side. So at Moms on Call, you can always get the complete set, all three of them, and also fixes that problem and, um, and new. Now on Amazon, we have, since people are gifting book one so much, we
1: have books two and three that you can buy for the first time ever, just those two books together. We had to do it because so many people were wanting the three package deal, but they already had book one. And so I am so excited. That people can go and just grab book two and three and add to their collection, which, by the way... Looks really, really good in a nursery on the shelf. (laughs) They really do. They're very pretty covers. Alice Park put together the most
0: beautiful covers for us. We just have friends that helped us along the way. So we hope that you love those resources as much as we loved making them for you. And we want you to know that we've got you covered in the online classes, in the apps, in the books. We do. We know that you might kind of go a little bit earlier or stay a little bit later with this resource and we wanted to make sure that you were welcome here at any stage
2: whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the moms on call For nearly 20 years, Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they have this podcast to talk directly with you. Ask your questions at 888 234 7979. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. This week's episode is brought to you by Bobby Organic Infant Formula.
1: We are so proud to have Bobby partnering with the Moms on Call community. Bobby is a European style formula backed by a team of medical experts, pediatricians, pediatric nutritionists, and food scientists. And they are founded and led by moms. Bobby Formula is super proud of what their formula does not contain like corn syrup, palm oil, or maltodextrin. Their ingredients are purposefully sourced from the milk at Organic Valley Farms to the water-extracted DHA. Bobby Formula is designed for brain development, to be gentle on tummies, and for healthy immunity in babies. And Bobby wants to support our Moms on Call community. You can get a 10% discount on your first box of Bobby with code momsoncall 10 at highbobby.com. Hey
2: Laura and Jennifer, my name is Avery and I'm from Fort Myers. I have a toddler and our second one is due in two months. And our daughter's about to be 13 months old and she still wakes up at least once a night on like and that's a good night. So like my questions are is it too late to sleep train her now? And and if it's not, should we wait until the new baby comes and then sleep train them both together? Or like, what do we do? Um,
1: thank you. Oh, my gosh, Avery. Congratulations. Congratulations on that new little one that's coming and a 13-month-old as well. So we're just, oh, my gosh, such a sweet, sweet spot. And no, it is not too late to go ahead and get that little one going and sleeping through the night. And we do have time. We can get this little one sleeping through the night before that new one arrives. Well,
0: but it does bring up a really good point. So, you know, as far as the transitions are concerned, we would often say potty training and sleep training right there within about one to two months of a new baby arriving is going to put us in a position to we will oftentimes see a little bit of a reversion when the baby gets here. So, you know, if you've potty trained and they're successfully potty trained, sometimes when the baby gets here and it just like changes the world so much, they start to test some of the things that, you know, some of their newfound um, accomplishments in that way. But two months, this is, I'm so glad you called right now. I hope you get this information in time. If you don't, one of the questions you asked was, should I sleep train them both at the same time? And the answer to that is no, we just don't have the capacity of our heart <laughs> to do that. We'll just work on the baby. And then once the baby's sleeping through the night somewhere around, you know, 10 to 12 weeks of age, if not sooner, then we'll have the brain cells to devote to the older child. But no matter what we do, we're never going to save the quiet one. That is, you know, the hardest thing to do is to recognize that they're both going to come into this incredible household where they are going to, you know, there's going to be some loud things happening at night. When you have siblings, there's reasons. They get sick. There's noises at night. And they are completely capable
1: of being able to sleep through a lot of that. Laura, you had twins. Oh my gosh. I still cannot believe what my kids slept through and and I had three boys in one room at one point, and one, you know, could be vomiting and sick, and I'm in the room trying to take care of that, and the two others are sound asleep as if nothing is going on. They do learn to coexist with the other sounds in the house as we bring those new siblings. At 13 months of age, we need to give this mama everything that she needs to the best of our ability so that we can kind of get ahead of it and go ahead and try to get some good sleep in before this new one arrives. So at 13 months old, where would she even start? So actually you're doing really good to have a
0: 13 month old that's just waking up that one time at night. Like this is totally fixable. We are able to be able to give them a new habit and a new routine. And the great news is their habit forming tendencies are so strong and they're really attached more to the habit than they are to the waking. So the three times that are really important is that nighttime routine that we keep that nighttime, that tender time going. I'm going to let Laura talk about that in just a minute, that we have a strict, no engagement policy in a safe non-optional environment for the sleep environment through the night. And then that we address anything that went on that night before in the morning when we open the door. And you'll see after about five to seven days, depending on how many ways you may have tried to fix this before, that new routine will settle in and they will sleep all night in their room by themselves. So Laura, talk to me a little bit about that tender time. Like, what do we do? What do we
1: set up before they go to sleep? Right. I love, love, love tender time. And tender time was such a huge piece of our household. And you know, having that daytime routine is huge. Make sure that there's, you know, no naps that last longer than about that two to three hour mark, especially if we're down to one nap a day at this point. We want to make sure that they're up by 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, right? And then you know, let's make sure that we're kind of engaging mentally and physically in those evening hours. And then we get ready for that tender time. And we kind of block out all the other things. I love saying be intentional. Put the phone down. Don't answer another email. Don't answer another text message. Be intentional with that sweet time. So we do their baths and after their baths, we get them in their PJs and we may sing a song or maybe we read a book or two, uh, do some snuggling. If they're still taking that bedtime feeding, that's okay at 13 months. We're just about getting ready to get rid of that bottle at that 12 to 13 month mark. We'll do that last little feeding if it's still there. We'll pray over them and we'll get them down in that nice safe crib. We do want to make sure that it's dark in the room and we can still have that really good white noise machine. That will help with this transition. So you want to use a quality white noise machine placed about two feet away from that crib. Crank up that white noise and we always say, I love you. I believe in you. And I'll see you when the sun comes up and we get out of that room. And there's a couple of options to handle those middle of the night feeding that she's been doing uh, at 13 months if she's healthy and gaining weight and eating well. There really isn't a reason to feed a 13-month-old in the middle of the night. So what we want to do is, one, tell our mama hearts, right? That's one of the, the biggest pieces of this is that she, and Danny hearts, Danny hearts are there as well, but that they are safe, they are loved, and she can do it. And I want you to believe in her with everything that you have. And, and one way is to stay out of her way. Let her work through waking and figuring out how to get back on the other side of that sleep, that twilight sleep, those transitional sleep cycles. If you just can't rip the bandaid off and stay out, then what we can do is kind of start to extend that about every three to five nights, stay out about five minutes longer than you can possibly stand, right, Jennifer? I mean, it's almost like, oh my gosh, I can wait one more minute and then they go back to sleep till seven o'clock in the morning. But getting up in the morning at seven with intention is really, really important.
0: Oh, yeah. That morning, we can address anything that happened, um, you know, in the previous night in the morning when we get in there. And I think one of the most astounding things is if you did rip off the Band-Aid and you're just like, you know what, I... And actually my stimulating presence is not helping to produce a great sleep environment that, you know, limits the amount of stimulation for their brain, but they are capable of doing that. We stayed out. And then we come in in the morning. The astounding thing is they are not sitting in the middle of that crib with their arms crossed, like looking at us resentfully like, oh, now you're going to come in. you know? <laughs> like They're just ready to start the day. And I think seeing that for the first time really kind of calms a lot of, you know, those normal fears that we have as a parent and just that they're ready to start the day. So we start it on time and we don't let the nap last longer than it should. We use that you know, a little bit of tiredness they developed in that night to translate to the next night. And all we're doing is setting in a new routine. We are just giving them a sustainable routine that helps them to be able to figure out how to get themselves back to sleep when they wake up in the middle of the night in this loving household, in this air-conditioned environment decorated just for them and the safe, loving household that you have created for them. They are entirely capable, but it is no fun For about four or five nights, you're going to think that maybe they can't do it, but they can. And having a personal consultant, having an online class, having our voices and our experience, just giving you some of the words and perspectives, we've found to be really helpful so that you're not left without any support for you. Because honestly, this process is hardest on you. I'm not worried about your daughter. She's going to be fine. She's in a crib. She can sleep all night. We can get it done before the baby gets here. We're going to set in a new habit. But getting you from here to there, that's really important to us. And we want to be able to engage you in any way that you require that'll make it easier for you.
2: Hi, this is Kristen from Monterey, California. Um, I'm calling with a question about my seven-week, almost eight-week-old baby. He is giving us long stretches at night, which has been awesome, anywhere between five and a half to seven and a half, pretty consistently. He used to have some trouble going back down after, but we somehow kind of smooth that. And hopefully that stays, knock on wood. My question is about daytime naps. He won't take one single daytime nap in his crib. And he likes to be in a carrier. And we, you know, I do the dark room, but still some light coming in, white noise machine, swaddled tight. And somehow he still won't, he won't close his eyes. Any advice you have for daytime naps with babies that are too young to be left in there for sleep opportunities would be great. Thank you so much, bye-bye.
1: Well, we wanna look at a couple of things. Sometimes going ahead and moving to the eight to 16 week routine and keeping them up a little bit longer will help. The other thing is to make sure that that swaddle is correct. And go watch our video in the Knowledge Center on the website. It really can make a huge difference. And then the next thing, I know you said that you're using white noise, but let's make sure that we're using the right noise machine, that it's placed about 24 inches from the head of the bed and fairly loud enough that you can hear it on the other side of the door. And making those couple adjustments may be all that you need.
2: Hi, Moms on Call. This is Virginia. I'm from South Georgia, a small town called Waycross. Um, I've been using your Moms on Call book since my first Baby was born about four months ago. My question is, in April, we will be taking a trip to Colorado, and I know the time zone will go back, or the time will go back two hours, and also we'll be going to high elevation. We'll be staying for five days, four nights. My question is, when I get there, should I immediately go to the new time and stick to her schedule on that time, or should I just keep the schedule we have and maybe wake up two hours earlier with her and put her, to put her down two hours earlier so that when she gets back home, she'll be fine. Also curious to see if you have any advice on taking a baby to higher altitudes um, and what, what I could do to make that transition more seamless.
0: Thanks so much.
1: Well, I want to go to Colorado. I think that would
0: be so much fun. I think we were just invited to five nights in Colorado. That's what I heard.
1: I heard it too. So, Virginia, you you hook us up let us know. So. Yeah, she'll be
0: like, you come and wake up That's two right. hours early. <laughs> they probably feel
1: like, here's your ticket. So, Virginia, this is easy. So, you do, once you land in Colorado, you're there long enough. Let's really just pick up and get onto that time zone upon arrival. So, even if you have to squish together a feeding or stretch them out just a little bit, go ahead and get right on to that time zone and and begin to, to work those days out that way. A day or two, things will be fine there. As far as the elevation, those are always tough questions. And of course, your pediatrician can help you navigate that. But increasing fluids and staying hydrated is huge. So even at four months of age, you know, by that point, maybe a little bit older, we do want to make sure that we're keeping them hydrated, which may mean giving them some extra fluids.
0: And by fluids, it depends on how you're feeding them. It can be more formula, more breast milk, or even a little water here or there in the bottle is totally fine. And also a great way when you're doing takeoff and landing for them to be sucking on something so that the pressure change doesn't affect them as much. And the other thing I would say is a general rule of thumbs. If you're going to be there longer than three days, The sunshine and the different time zone, they're going to do that work all by itself. So they kind of naturally kind of get onto the time zone where you are in that regard. So try and be out in the sunshine a bit. And the biggest thing that we want you to know is have a great time. Even if things don't go as expected, as far as the schedule is concerned, we can fix any of that when you get home. Just don't waste this five days of connection and wonderful sights and all the things that you're going there to do. Have fun doing that, whether we're with you or not.
1: <laughs> and we'll be waiting for our plane tickets.
0: <laughs>
2: Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. If you have a question for Jennifer and Laura, call 888-234-7979. Visit momsoncall.com for resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive not just survive your amazing parenting journey.